Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I am your host, Tariq El Amin. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. We're a live call in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM, and you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com. And we've added another way you can listen to us, and that is on the TuneIn app. Just look up WCEV. Now, if you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. If you have a comment or question you'd like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, we would love to hear from you at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. Good evening again, Radio Islam family. It's always great to, to be with you. We thank you for uh, deciding to spend this hour with us. Uh, we've got a, uh, a great show, we believe, a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be first starting off with uh, Cameron Hussein, who is joining us in studio. He is the president of MCC. Uh, for those of you who may not know, that's the Muslim Community Center. Uh, to tell you a little bit about Cameron, uh, he was born and raised in the MCC community, spent time in the original Kedzie building in the 70s and graduated from Sunday school at the Elston facility, as well as attending night school for years in the 80s. After attending Northwestern University and graduate school at the Illinois College of Optometry, Cameron came back to MCC to work as a volunteer in different committees from the Library Committee, Fundraising Expansion Committee, and the Juma Committees. From 2007 to 2013, he served on the board of directors and was vice president for five of those years. He's married with a son and twin daughters. All right, we've got something definitely in common right there. I've got twin daughters too. Great, that's awesome. <laughs> and he attended, uh, and those twin daughters, they attended the MCC Academy for a few years. He lives in the north suburbs and works as an optometrist full time. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Thanks for having me. All right, so it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I just had to reconnect to that the twin daughters uh, thing. <laughs> How old are yours? Uh, mine are sixteen. Oh wow! Yeah, mine yours? are five. So. Oh, see, this is this is the good time, right uh, here. Maybe. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, well, from from where I'm sitting. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you get the diff there's different challenges when they're sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, they don't do as much talking back at five. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh. Anyway, anyway, so as the uh, first of all, congratulations uh, on the uh, on the position. Uh, that is definitely a, a great responsibility and a great opportunity. For sure, for yeah. sure, it's a um, it's a blessing, uh, and I'm humbled by um, the community for electing me as president. Um, inshallah, my goal is to be <laughs> just fulfill my two years. I don't want to run again, but inshallah, we have some ideas and goals that we want to accomplish. And um, with the help of all the volunteers and staff that um, have been doing it for years, and hopefully we'll be able to bring in some younger people, um, the next generation, the next wave of MCC community workers will be able to kind of accomplish some of those goals. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely that's critical for any organization being able to uh, to invest in future leadership. Uh, for those uh, for the Radio Islam family who may not be 
uh, as familiar with the MCC. Uh, Would you go ahead and give us a little bit of, of its history? Yeah, so MCC is a organization that's on its 49th year of existence. Um, so 1969 is when they first were incorporated. Um, it was basically a lot of um, MSA students from IIT and some of the other universities around here, but it basically became a bigger and bigger masjid. Um, they bought a building on Kedzi, and then eventually they, mo- they got too big for that building. They moved into the building that we still have right now. It's on Elston. Um, and then we expanded up north to Morton Grove in 1989. And just a couple of years ago, we um, part of our school, the full-time school that we have there, MCC Academy, we bought another building in Skokie to accommodate the, um, the bigger um, size um, enrollment of our schools. Mm. And so we have three buildings. Um, the one on Alston and the one in Morton Grove still run as mosques. And the one in Skokie is a school, specifically designated just as a school. Okay. Now, what is the, so uh, like I said, MCC has been around since 69. Yes. Uh, one of the, I would say one of the older uh, yeah, institutions. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably one of the, it's kind of like one of the mother mosques yeah. of the Chicagoland area, including Islamic Foundation, Mosque Foundation, um, and some of the other ones in the area. Right. In the city, it's probably one of the bigger ones mm-hmm. in terms of membership and also just forget about the membership, just the people coming and going for regular prayers and for Jummah prayers. Yeah, it yeah. gets pretty packed over there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, um, we, um, you know, Jummah prayers, unfortunately we have a little bit of a parking problem like every other mosque, but especially the one on Elston because it's in the city, yeah. we have, a, um, it gets packed. And, yeah, and it's a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. We For a while we had two prayers. We had to initiate two prayers there for Jummah prayer. Um, but it's back down to one now. Okay. So what is the, what's the, the, the mission um, of MCC? Yeah, so the MCC has always prided itself on being kind of like a democratic organization. Um, and some other masjids are like that, but most mosques, um, a lot of mosques don't run that way. But we completely run on membership-based organization that elects leaders, elects their board members. Um, and then from there, the board makes a lot of the decisions. So um, you can kind of compare it to, you know, the United States. Um, One of the things that MCC prides itself on is is that it is um, welcoming to all types of Muslims in terms of their beliefs. So they don't adhere to a particular school of thought. Um, So, you know, if you believe, if you say the Shahada, we consider you someone that can be a member. And, um, you know, you don't have to, um, abide by one school of thought um, or any school of thought, but um, and then you can come and be part of our organization. Um, sometimes that leads to conflict mm-hmm. because there's, you know, with, within schools of thought, even though that should be a mercy for us, sometimes it can be a little bit of a problem. But, you know, I think that's one of the benefits of being part of MCC because, honestly, our Morton Grove facility is uh, pretty homogenous. Um, but our MCC Alston, I mean, it's just amazing when you come there on Fridays. Um, you know, I've been to quite a bit of some of the bigger mosques around, even on Fridays. But MCC is completely diverse. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got, you know, Indian Pakistani people. You have Arabs. You have North Africans, African-Americans. We have a huge Latino um, community that comes to pray there. 
Um, and so, you know, a lot of people, even though, um, you know, they call it their home, their initial home. I speak to a lot of the Latino converts, and even though they might have branched out to other masjids and other organizations, they always consider MCC one of their homes because a lot of them converted at that uh, at that mosque over the years. Yeah. Uh, as someone who has grown up in the MCC community, uh, what are some of the things that you that that you have seen that have uh, what's the progression been like? For yeah. You? So. MCC Elston, um, I grew up there. I used to go there literally five days a week, um, and I wasn't too happy about it when I was a kid. Um, you know, after school, we'd go there for night school from 5 to 8, and then on Sundays, we'd spend the day there for Sunday school. Um, it was a very ma and pa organization um, throughout the 80s. You know, everybody knew each other. Um, I always joke around that, you know, my dad gave permission to all the other elders to smack me around <laughs> if I got out of line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, those were the days where, you know, other people can hit you and it wouldn't be a big deal. Right, right. Um, so, um, um, but, but you know, as the community got bigger and bigger, and this is with every community, you know, it became um, very diverse. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of the people that used to come to MCC have moved on to different areas. They've kind of opened up their own masjids in different locations because there was a need in other suburbs, other areas of the city. Um, a lot of our uh, people that came to MCC, they actually started moving up north, and that's why we ended up um, purchasing the building in Morton Grove. So um, um, it's just become very diverse. So a lot of times um, um, some of the elder generation who basically created the masjid and did all the work for the masjid they're a little bit nostalgic about what MCC used to be, but the reality is that it's a lot different now. Um, there's just a huge population. You know, when we were younger, we were the only Muslims in town, and so people would come f- to MCC all around. You know, people would come and send their kids to Sunday school from 30, 40, 50 miles away. Now there's no reason to do that. You know, there's there's mosques all over the um, Chicagoland area. So, you know, um, and, you know, in, uh, in that whole um, Albany Park area, there, um, there is just a whole huge Arab um, community there that lives within walking distance within that area. So the um, the um, the uh, just the um, the diversity is just amazing compared to what it was, you know, thirty, forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I know we're talking about MCC, but it's but we're we're really talking about more than just one particular uh, building. Yes. We're talking about three. Yeah, so we have the other building in Morin Grove, um, and that's where I kind of spent my teen years mm-hmm. um, because they have a basketball court. So you know, every Friday night they would be, um, um, we'd play basketball. Um, and so once again, the in the '90s the community was very small, so that gym was open just on Friday nights. Um, but now, if you go there, because the community is so huge, that gym is open every it's rented out every night even sometimes in the morning there's renters that rent it out and they play after fajr um different sports and it's great because in the end i think that um sports and basketball and other sports is really what drives a lot of people to come to the masjid which they probably won't have done any otherwise mm-hmm. you know i, I can uh, as a personal reflection uh growing up in a very tight-knit community uh, on the uh, south side, um, under the, the leadership of uh, Imam Wathi Muhammad, we were 
well, prior to the, the Nation of Islam buying a property on 73rd and Stoney, yeah. it was Sister Claire Muhammad School. So we were there pretty much every night, basketball games, skating parties, things like that. Uh, do you feel like today's generation is aware of the, the history of MCC, how the community has grown? No, I think, uh, I think in general, um, a lot of people take it for granted. Um, and I'm sure it probably happens to you with your um, mosque, um, is that, you know, when people move here or when they grow up, they kind of just see the masjid as is. They didn't see it kind of evolve into what it is now. So um, they take it for granted. I think that social media, the Internet, all that kind of changes everything, too, because when we were kids, our parents would come to the masjid to hear a lecture on, you know, the seerah of the Prophet, or they would come and hear, um, you know, tafsir every Sunday. Now, um, now no one really comes to the masjid to hear that because, honestly, you can get good tafsirs and good seerahs and lectures online. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an environment where people would want to come to the masjid every night. Or not every night, but like whenever they have time. I know it's hard with families, but um, we want to be able to create an environment where, um, you know, the yuppie generation, I guess a 30, 40-year-old, um, would want to come and bring their families to the masjid. It's hard yeah. because, um, you know, you can get religion in many different ways now. Mm -hmm. And it, the Internet's one thing. And then there's also we're competing with other organizations that might do a better job in teaching something specific compared to what we have. Right. Yeah. So do you feel like um, we're at a point now where we have to look at repurposing um, the, the facility, programming, uh, and just the interaction overall? For sure. I, I mean, I think that, like, the, I mean, I think it's important to have religious structured classes. And, you know, after this um, program, after this interview, I'm going to go meet with another organization and hopefully we can work something out in terms of having some um, religious instruction going on at our masjid. We also have um, two imams that do teach different classes here and there, but there's nothing set in stone and nothing that's repetitive that we can, you know, everyone knows that, hey, every Friday night there's a lecture going on or whatnot. But um, I think there's different ways that we have to go about doing it. And it may not necessarily have to be necessarily religious. So as I was saying is that our gym gets filled out every night. But, um, you know, so people are coming to the masjid, but maybe we can have different types of programming that will allow the, you know, the 30-year-old to come to the masjid. Maybe have a coffee night or a coffee house. Um, I know there's some third spaces in um, Chicagoland area already. Maybe we, we kind of recreate that inside the masjid as well. Um, you know, have a place where people can come and, you know, discuss any topic without feeling like there's any type of stigma or, you know, feel like, you know, they're going to get bashed on for, for, for whatever reason. Uh, that, that is a, <laughs> that is a, a powerful statement because, yeah. uh, that's one of the things that I have to, I'm engaging that same conversation Yeah. Uh, because the third space, it has become, uh, it's become, it's that platform now where people feel more comfortable in addressing, uh, address, addressing everything, some things they wouldn't feel normally comfortable talking about in the masjid. For sure. It's like, um, you know, for example, Talif does a good job of doing yeah, that. Yeah, excellent. And um, um, sometimes when I look at their website, you know, initially when I would read about Talif, I thought it was more of like a place for converts to come and feel like they're at home. But then when I look at the 
pictures on Facebook or something like that. I'm like, hey, all these people used to come to MCC. <laughs> <laughs> and so that you know that just shows yeah. that MCC and any other masjid, if you're, the people that grew up in your mosque, they're going to another place to get spirituality or to get religion or to learn about the deen, and they're not coming to their masjid that's five minutes away from their homes. Right. You know, that's, that, that's, that says something about your masjid. And, you know, we have to be, um, you know, we have to realize that fact that, you know, maybe we got to start doing something different. Yeah. Do you feel that, um, well, you mentioned earlier that you don't have to have a particular uh, madhab. Yeah. Uh, do you feel that that is one of the, uh, one of the selling points, if you will, of, of a place like, um, like, like Tatleaf? Yeah. Uh, um. I don't know too much about the Alif, so I can't really speak on their behalf. But if you look at the MCC's bylaws, it's kind of like the United States. You know, um, if you look at the MCC bylaws, it's actually very well written. Sometimes it gets a little convoluted or whatnot. But in terms of, like, their goal and their mission, it's amazing. But, you know, obviously the United States Constitution, when you look at and read it, it's pretty amazing of what, you know, their, their ideal is. But the reality on the ground may not necessarily reflect that. So MCC and MEC in Morn Grove may not necessarily reflect the I- ideals of MCC uh, of what the MCC bylaws specifically states. And you know, there's always a pushback because you know every group, every mud hub, every um, type of Muslim, if you want to say um, that word, um, wants to kind of push their ideology <laughs> into the masjid and you know and that sometimes that's where you know we have to push back on it's not necessarily a bad thing but you know you have to realize that like we don't want to be a place where this masjid is specifically for this group of people because then that kind of outcasts other other groups of people right and so that's one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on is that ideally the goal is when you come to our masjid you want it to feel like home to you Right and right. you know the reality is that's not necessarily true for a lot of Muslims, but um, that's the goal. Right, alhamdulillah. Uh, Radio Islam family, we're talking with Cameron Hussein. He is the president of MCC. Um, if you'd like to make a comment or have a question, give us a call at three one two seven five zero one one seven eight three one two seven five zero one one seven eight. Let me ask this: as a quote unquote younger person i'm gauging that we're around the same age <laughs> um maybe yeah maybe <laughs> but do you um when you talk about uh successorship bringing on the the, the next investing in the developing the next layer of leadership um how have the have the the older generation have they been Wow. Right. Because as I'm saying, as I'm asking this question, it almost feels like it's one of those. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> right. Um, I, I'll, I'll ask this way. I'll say it this way. Are they, I, it would seem that they would be uh, really pleased to have someone who has come up in the community now bringing their talents back uh, in this particular, even though you've kind of matriculated well through in different uh levels of responsibility but to see you now as president I, w- I would imagine that that would give them a source of uh that you'd be a source of, of joy and pride um for some of them um first of all i don't have really any major talents but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um um you know when i was on the board 
I would always get encouragement. Oh, you should be, you should run for presidency. And I'd always say no, um, you know, at different times, you know, at different points in my life, you know, I had, you know, at one point, you know, my kids were really young. They're still young. And, you know, obviously it's still a sacrifice, but they, they would keep asking me and I'd keep saying no, 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 no. Finally, in the last year or so, I was asked, I was asked or encouraged by a lot of younger people in the community, hey, you should run, you should run. And I don't really necessarily have any specific skills or traits to um, <laughs> lead the masjid. And, you know, um, but one thing that I believe that I, 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 hopefully I'll be able to do and hopefully we'll be able to pass this on to the next person is, is that I was able to kind of stick around where a lot of people my age kind of moved on. And, you know, they've done a lot of great works. Uh, a lot of people from our community have become leaders at other organizations or, you know, big-time scholars and stuff like that. And they've kind of moved on. And um, I've kind of stuck around. So I, I was able to be on the board for many years. I've volunteered um, on different committees. And so I feel like I, I feel like I can be a bridge where, you know, I can kind of be able to – you know, deal with some of the elder generations and some of the things that they've been dealing with over the years, but also hopefully been, be able to bring in some new blood to come and, you know, do the work. A lot of the stuff at the masjid is dry, is dry work, you know, accounting, you know, website work and, you know, making flyers for this event, you know, calling people, emailing people. You know, it's not very exciting stuff, but, um, you know, we have people that have talent in the community that can do a lot of this stuff. Um, another thing that is is that our elder generation was, man, you know, bless them all. They they were all volunteers. <laughs> People our age, they want to get paid for a lot of their stuff right. that they do. <laughs> so um, we're kind of transitioning in that way. We have to face reality. I, I wish I could make everyone do everything for free. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, they study the religion and, you know, they have to make a living. And so, you know, we have to compensate people for um, certain things. And other people are willing to do things for volunteer work. So, you know, we got to find that right balance of, you know, who we need to compensate for and who is willing to do stuff um, uh, as a volunteer. Um, so that's kind of changed. But there has been a little bit of a resistance. But, you know, now that the elections are over, everybody has been kind of supportive. And um, and I only did it um, also because our board started getting younger and younger. You know, I grew up with a lot of my elders. And if I was if I ran for presidency two years ago or four years ago or whatnot, they would a lot of them would still be on the board. And I didn't feel very comfortable, you know, being the emir of a group of people that were like father figures to me or mother figures to me. And now that the board got a little bit younger, not to say that I'm going to be a tyrant over those people, but <laughs> it'd be more of like they would be my colleagues. Right. Um, right. And, you know, I can kind of work with them in the sense that, you know, if I don't like, you know, it's hard for me to say no or argue with, or not argue, but like, you know, kind of, you know, you know, disagree with some of my elders right. because, um, you know, they're my elders. And, you know, I don't want to lose that relationship over, you know, masjid politics or whatnot, you right. know. Right. So I'd rather not have that. And that's why a lot of times I kind of de decline. But now our board is a lot younger um so there are a lot more my age colleagues that can kind of help me out but i definitely need the elders to kind of be um guides to us as well absolutely yeah well um before we before we let you go and ask are there any uh upcoming or, or current activities that are going on 
Yeah, so um, we have a couple different cool programs coming up in the next month, and inshallah, that will continue. Um, please visit our website, mccchicago.org. We have a Facebook page. We also have an app. You can go to our app, MCC. Um, just go to Muslim Community Center, and you can get updates on different programs that we have. But actually, in the next month, we have a couple. Um, next month or two months, we have a couple programs. One is um, on February 23rd, Friday evening. We have um, Sister Bilki Sabdulkader coming and speaking to um, the community about her story. She was. Um, she is a basketball player. I just found out. Um, she emailed us today that she's playing with the Somali national team okay. at the Arab Games, the Arab, the women Arab Games, or something like that next week. Um, so she'll be coming in. She's actually speaking at Northwestern on Wednesday. She'll be speaking to our school on Thursday, and then speaking to our community on Friday night. Okay. Um, the next day we have uh, for Black History Month. We have. Uh, um, a program that I think that maybe you, you, you will be speaking at. Yes. <laughs> so um, that will be Saturday um, at our Morton Grove facility. I think it's Saturday during the day. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, you and a couple other uh, brothers and sisters, your wife. My wife, yeah, your wife Dr. Aisha Alameen. Yeah, she'll be speaking. Um, so that's another event that's coming up um, with the Interfaith and Outreach Committee. Um, for our school, which is part of uh, the MCC, we have our annual um, – fundraising dinner which is going to be kind of cool it's on march 4th sunday night you can buy tickets online but we have uh olympic uh fencer um sister if the hajj muhammad she will be coming and giving our keynote address so that's kind of cool um i know two of those events had to do with athletes but honestly that's kind of what brings a lot of people to the to these events we a few uh months ago we had mahmoud abdul rof come and literally we found out he was coming and we organized that event within a week and a half and over two three hundred people showed up so alhamdulillah you know it's cool uh, to have them well uh it's been a pleasure talking to you um we pray for your continued success uh and and Hope these are nice, slow, and productive two years. We don't want these two years to go by too quickly. Yeah, I just had one comment. Yeah, go um, right ahead. Next year we have our 50th anniversary. That's going to be a huge uh, event, a big, hopefully a big gala that I'll let you, uh, hopefully I can come back absolutely. and speak about it. Um, absolutely. But um, uh, hopefully that's going to be like a weekend or a full-day event that will happen sometime in 2019. Inshallah. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, thank you for, for coming, and we, we appreciate you. And, and pray, like I said, we pray for your continued success. Jazakallah all right, Radio Islam family, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by super marathoner, civil activist, Amy O. <laughs> She's laughing. So Radio Islam family, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in a moment. When dad needed help getting around... I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org slash caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. 
Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Soundvision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. The crisis text line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> All right, had a little uh, little hiccup there. I'll say it again because I like saying it. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. We are broadcasting on WCB 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcb1450.com. Okay, we've gotten all that good stuff out of the way. Well, no, one more thing I'm going to tell you. Uh, remember us on your social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Radio Islam USA. And do not forget that you can always listen to any episode you hear that you like. Hopefully you like them all. You can go to SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, tune in, and re-listen. So follow us on wherever you get your uh, your podcast at Radio Islam USA. Now let's get into why we are why we are back. We are back because we have with us in studio Amiel Mateen. She is a what can I say about Amiel? Amiel is a um, she's an activist. You are an activist. She's she's looking at me like like I'm saying something that she doesn't know about. But well, I'm going to say a little, a little bit about her, and then we're we're, we're going to talk with Amiel. Okay, so she is a, uh, a native of Flint, but we claim her now, Chicago. She's a, na- a native of Flint, Michigan, works with the Inner City Muslim Action Network, also known as Iman, and is accountable for their high-level administrative functions, human resources, and event management, which means she works awfully hard, <laughs> does a whole lot. Um, she was drawn to Iman through her appreciation of organizing and advocacy programs. Her parents were storied community activists in Flint, Michigan, and for the last 20 years, Amiel has followed in their footsteps. Amiel is also an avid runner and coach who has completed over 30 races. That's right, 30 races, including the 2015 Boston Marathon. In 2008, she founded the Akila Nisa Project, an organization created to inspire, empower, and provide life skills training to young women and children. Amiel received a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration and Economics from Greensboro College. She's also been certified as a professional in human resources by DePaul University. Now, we probably won't have time to get into the human resources aspect, 
but <laughs> but, that's but, fine. We but, can but, stick with the rest of it. <laughs> but but I got to give you a proper assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is a pleasure. It's yeah. a pleasure. Uh, where should we start? Um, what do you, what do you want to start? You want to start with the running uh, or you as an act? Uh, okay, give us a sure. Either one. Running is fine. We'll start with running. Sure, we can start with running, and that'll probably that'll that'll lead us into right. Lead us into my. Yeah. other service community service type things yeah. that I do yeah so how long when did you start running so I marked the age of eight years old is when okay. I remember running um, when I I guess knew that I could run and compete could compete I had a really good coach at Garfield Elementary in Flint Michigan um, Carl and Dr. I mean, Dr. Watkins Mr. Watkins were my coaches and they um, Spent time with me, and uh, I discovered that I could run. And I first competed in a, a, a race in um, around eight years old. But my first real race, I would say, was about 12 years old when I com competed in a game called Canusa. Was a uh, in Flint. There's this Canada versus USA, so it was called Canusa, and it was a competition that was in Flint, Michigan. And I ran the 400 meter race in that. Um, that competition it was it was really fun I had no idea what I was doing and I just went out there and my mom made me these shorts and uh, they weren't fitting for track and field but yeah. it's what I had and I appreciated it and yeah, uh, and I, I ran that race so how did you run eight years old I did really well I ran this race and the um I think about this often but the timekeepers after you finish running a race you stay in your lane so the timekeepers looked at you looked at the time they looked at me and then they looked at the time again, and they, I don't know what it was about. I can't, I don't remember my time. I want to look back and find what it is, but um, it must have been pretty fast because they wanted us to run it again because they thought the time was wrong. So I don't know what it, what it is, and I think that's really a lot of my story in running. It just kind of, I do it, and I don't know what's going on a lot of times. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but I don't, I don't know what the discussion was during that race. But I, I know yeah. what it was. I know it was super fast. Was. They looked, they looked, okay, because I, I would imagine um, that you were not, you're probably proportionally, your height was proportioned to your age, <laughs> which means that you were, you were not very tall. I was, and I was very small, very And small. you probably put up a time that was just, that just didn't match. It didn't, it didn't look like it made sense. I say we go with that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, because I've seen you run. Yeah. Now, and it still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Like how how is somebody how is uh, I, I I don't know can I throw your height out there? Sure. Okay. So how, how tall are you? I'm about five four, a little under, just a tiny bit under five four. Yeah, yeah. It's and five three and seven eighths actually. Yeah. So when I see <laughs> you're five foot three and seven eighths running, I'm thinking to myself, how is somebody five three and seven eighths running that fast? Yeah, you stay within that that five three and seven eights. You don't go too far out of it or too too far under it. You stay right there in the pocket. Yeah. Stay right there in that. Let's that let, let's jump groove. Let's jump forward a little bit. All right. So the uh, the twenty fifteen that wasn't the last. You, you've run because I think we saw you ran. I've run, but I haven't run any races since two thousand fifteen. That was the last marathon. Boston was the last. Oh. No, I have run since then. 2016 or 17, I ran uh, Chicago, but 2015 was Boston Marathon. Yeah. Okay. Now, what gets you up to run that 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 type of distance? Because 
we're starting talking about a 400 meter. That's that's a sprint, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and 26 point what two miles or three miles? 26.2 miles. Yeah, that's right. 40 yeah, that's, some odd kilometers. Yeah. So yeah. that's a that's a big difference. Yeah. That's a huge difference. What? <laughs> so you just have to love running. Period. You have to love running, and you also have to have some type of uh, um, self-motivation and like a mental toughness about you, mental tenacity. And I'm not even really talking about myself this time, but yeah, you just have to have those components. I also ran a cross country. So I've run a little more than a 400. I've run uh, anything from a 100 meter dash to an ultra marathon through the Ragnar Relay from uh, a relay race that took me from Wisconsin and you run from Madison, Wisconsin to Chicago, Montrose Avenue Beach with a team of people, not just by myself, it's with a team of people. But yeah, a lot of it is mental toughness. A lot of it is mental t tenacity that you have to have to do it. Um, what I work from, from running that much, I think it's a lot of mental toughness, a lot of mental tenacity that you have to have because at some point physically you know that you can do it. I feel like everybody can run a block or everybody can run. Mostly everybody can actually run. After a certain point, it's just like, you know, do I want to run? <laughs> Yes. Why am I running? It's, it comes down to those things like that. Like after mile 18 of a marathon, you're asking questions like, do I need to do this? Or, <laughs> you know, my feet are hurting and things like that. But it comes down to like your mental toughness, your mental tenacity, what you have left, you know, up here. There was a quote I recall uh, in, in an interview uh, Will Smith did. I think it was with Tavis Smiling. He was talking about what makes him him. Mm. Uh, what makes him unique or successful and he says because I'm willing to die on a treadmill <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he says you, you won't outwork me wow does that do, do you feel like that that captures the the, the thoughts uh, or the spirit that, that you have when you're running like you just won't I will not stop I won't let yeah. anything deny me I know my, well, most of the marathons that I've run, my very first one, most definitely, I ran that one without, most of the marathons I've run, I've run without stopping. Really? It's difficult to stop and start in a marathon for me. Some people use the uh, run-walk method throughout a marathon, but mine, it works best for me if I just run. The very first one that I ran, <clears throat> excuse me, was in Chicago, and I, again, didn't know a lot about what I was doing, but I ran that one the entire way. I didn't stop for anything. I didn't so, stop one step. So, so your training, <laughs> so your training obviously was not the same for that first one that you did, um, in in comparison to all the ones that have come after it. Correct. But it was just a matter of just mental toughness and will. Absolutely, yeah. For most of them, I would say, but. I would say for all of them, yes. Uh, it's just that I became more aware of it the more maybe by the second or third marathon, I became aware of, you know, everything that was going on with my, you know, mental state and with my, you know, body physically and, and how I treated it uh, during the trainings and during the race. Mm. It just became more aware. But the first one, definitely. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the, the ultra marathon, the rag, was it the Ragnar? Ragnar relay, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that, that. yeah. so that's a relay race that they have throughout the nation. And I don't know if it's international um, or not, but they, there's a race where it consists of either six 
team members or 12 team members and you're running from one state to another state sometimes and sometimes it can be within the same state but they're usually over 150 miles I think the one that we ran was about 200 miles I've done it with a 12 man, uh, man team and I've done it with a a um, six-man team and they've both been mixed teams uh, uh, six women, six men on the 12, and then three women, three men on the, the six-man uh, team. So it's basically everybody run, running a, uh, an ultra marathon, and that means that you're running for um, total uh, of your legs total. It's over 26.2 miles. So 26.2 miles and up for each one of the, the racer, uh, runners on the, the team. And how long did that take? Oh, wow. That took, I want to say... 30, gosh, I want to say 30 some odd hours. Of continuous running. Of continuous running for the entire team. Yeah. So you run a leg. Mm -hmm. Your team meets you at the next exchange. You get on the van. Somebody gets off. They run a leg. And you keep this up until you reach the um, finish line. For the six-man team, it's almost like you're running continuously because you don't have as much as a break as you do with a 12-person team because if you're the first runner and then you're going to be running again in 13, uh, your runner first, one, your runner 13, your runner whatever the numbers are, and then for the six, your runner one, then runner seven, then runner 13, so it goes like that. But So how long do you run each, each time? Each Say time, if, it, it if varies. It's 12. It varies different uh, amount, d different uh, distances each time. You can have a two-mile. I think my first leg, the last time I ran, was a 10K. So I ran 6.2 miles. My longest, <laughs> excuse me, my longest distance, or the longest distance I think somebody ran was almost a half marathon on their leg. Really? Yeah. Uh, but it's already, it's predetermined. It's predetermined, right. It's everything's already written. They have the certain exchanges. There's uh, support on the, uh, on, the ex in the ex on the exchanges, and there, there's some parts, uh, and you're running through the night. Uh, it could be 2 a.m. I think I ran at 4 a.m. one day, uh, one race, and maybe 2 a.m. at some other point. But you're running through the night. You're hardly sleeping. Um, you're on one van together. It's it's pretty intense. You become yeah. really close with a few people. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> now, you said you believe that everybody can run. Um, so I, I'm not going to delve too much. I'm just going to use that as, as, as a jump-off point for, the, okay. for, this, for this question, right. which is... For those people who want to get into running, what is the first thing that you tell them? Because you, you, you also train, you train people, mm -hmm. right? So what is the first thing you tell folks? I tell people not to bite off too much. I think sometimes when people are beginning running, they feel so good. They think, yeah, I can do this. And I run with some people at the first, and they're out there, they're running really fast. They're like, oh, no, I feel good. I'm going to run ahead of you. You know, and then a block, they're like, <laughs> yeah, I should, I should have done that. And then the next day they're really sore. And then it's like three weeks later and they haven't run. So I tell people don't bite off too much. Pace yourself. You know, harness that energy that you feel in that moment and just hold on to it and pace yourself. Slow down. Don't run too fast. Don't, don't go out too fast with regard to, um, like, taking that one day and running everything out that you have instead of just, like, you know, harness that energy that you feel. Mm -hmm. Just hold on to it and stay um, 
run slow. Just take your time, you know, the first time that you go out. But just don't take a too big of a bite the very first time. That energy that you have and you think you have, sometimes it's not as much energy. Um, it's not as much energy, energy as you think you have. So just kind of take it slow. Pace yourself. Hmm. You'll use the energy. It'll, it'll definitely become, come a time that you'll have to tap into that energy that you had and, and uh, right. use it to... To run or whatever you may be doing now do you tell people because um accessories are big people you know they decide they want to go play tennis so they go out and mm. buy a racket and wristbands and and tennis shoes and all of that uh and the same for running uh, for that new person what do you advise that new person when it comes to those types of accessories do they need to, do they need to go out and buy a particular pair of shoes uh Oh, warm-ups and all of that uh, warm-ups uh, I would definitely I'm, <laughs> I'm old to say that <laughs> I'm thinking of well when I first started running with a, a, a max fitness group on the south side of Chicago I refused to buy anything I said I'm just gonna run in what I have I had these shoes that were too small they were like these cross trainer shoes and I had a bunch of like cotton warm-ups and cotton shirts and mm. there was one run I went out it was raining and I went out we ran out maybe six miles or whatever it was and then we came back it's raining and all of a sudden everything that I had on was like five inches you know longer my pants were uh on the ground and I was wet and that was the day the day after maybe the day I went out and actually bought some running gear so it's very important to buy the appropriate gear for whatever sport that you're in it yeah. absolutely works yeah. it really works yeah just as long as you're going to use it and not be a poser yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely want to use it if you're going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, that stuff is not cheap. Now, and, it sure isn't. And I'll say that when I, cause I went out and bought uh, some, some nice running shoes, and, and they, made a, they made a big difference. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I followed your advice as far as not uh, biting off more than I could chew. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's tough to do. It's tough to do because you... You feel great. I mean, it's it's a, you get a you get like a rush from it sometimes. But yeah, it's it's tough to do. It's tough to do. And you think about all the other runners that you know on the shows and the, all the, you know, sports or whatever. So it's kind of tough to not want to yeah, mimic that. We have people running thirty races and uh, and <laughs> you say I can run a race too, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> no, let me ask. Does um, does diet is does that go hand in hand with being a runner? I think so. I mean, diet plays a really big part if you're one who's training for, um, I mean, you're seriously training for something. I'd say a diet is really a really big part of it. Um, I know I, when I'm really in my training mode, like when I was training for Boston, I was um, watching what I ate, my hydration, and I was just really conscious of it, really mindful of what I was eating throughout the day. And uh, before my tra long run training days, I would be mindful about what I was eating when I was eating. Um, and I know you didn't ask about this, but even, you know, how much sleep I was getting, how much water I was taking in for the day. I had a coach actually for the, when I was training for the marathon, and he helped me gauge all those things that I needed. But you don't need a coach to do that. You can definitely do those things on your own. Just be mindful of what you're eating and how it makes you feel listening to your body as far as how the foods that you're eating are affecting your, your body, your system. And if you're running, you, you just have to kind of test it, engage it, and determine what's good for you, what's bad for you. But it definitely does have an impact on your performance.
How has running impacted your professional life? I have to tap into it. I tap into it a lot with regard to just the mental toughness, mental tenacity, and just the physically how, <laughs> just physically how much your body can um, can take. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't say it like that. Just like I think the mental toughness and just knowing like the human body, how much it can, how much we restrict it. And having been a marathon runner, and even you didn't ask me about this either, but I've been doing this 30-day fast. Those two things just... I was going to. Okay. No, so, <laughs> but those two things just, just makes me realize how much we, I restrict my uh, body, how much I restrict my mind as far as, you know, how much I can really, really, really do. Not just physically, uh, but um, mentally, um, spiritually, just in, in every aspect of my life. So... Um, I actually forgot the question, but... It's quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no you, you answered it. Uh, I was asking how has running affected your professional uh, professional life? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, just, I've had to tap sense. into those experiences as a runner with regard to really everything, not just professionally, but I do refer to it a lot in my professional life and um, the other things that I do in life. I do tap into my experiences as a runner quite a bit. Okay. Are you taking on, um, are you taking on new clients uh, that are, that? I... Just figured I'd throw that out at you. <laughs> since, 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 since we're here talking with the Radio Slam family. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I enjoy coaching. I enjoy taking on new clients. I enjoy taking on beginner clients. I enjoy taking on um, uh, people who are interested in running and making it uh, like a lifestyle because I like to, I don't know, I see running as uh, a lifestyle. And I guess I see running as being um, a roadway and a connection to other parts of of life. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do take on new clients. I am taking on new clients. I will. I don't have any now. But, yeah, if somebody wants to run, and definitely so. All right. Uh, so aside from running to you uh, on the street, uh, how would they how would they get in touch with you? Oh, my gosh. They could email me to my yeah. personal email, leanonaim at gmail.com. All right. What was that? Lean on at com. Okay. All right. All right. That, that's great. I just just thought I would ask since we had a, 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 a marathoner uh, in, this, in the studio. So Absolutely. Just, it made sense. Yeah. Uh, so do you feel like you can do anything? Is that... Anything you put your mind to, is that one of the, because from, from the outside looking looking in, is, is, that, is that the right way? Yeah. It seems like that would be something that you would, you would think. Like, I've ran it's all night. It's pretty funny. What's that? No, it's like, you know, I've ran all night. I've ran 30 different races. I've ran countless marathons. Anything I put my mind to, I could probably do it. That's accurate. I would go with that. Anything I put my mind to, I could probably do it just like you said it. So, yeah, I, I'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> I do see a lot of things I can do, and I'm like, no, just hold back. You can't. You shouldn't do that, or you can't do that. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's limitless. You do feel like you have a, a long list of things that you can do. Yeah. Well, listening to it's you talk, that. what I see, you say it's a lifestyle, right? The diet and, and the running, they go hand in hand. So I'm thinking that I'm going to start eating as if I am training 
to live a really long time. That's what I'm going <laughs> to start thinking. And I'm, I'm going to see. I'm going to see if that works. Uh, Radio Sound Family. I was on the fast also. I don't know if I. I might have even mentioned it before. <laughs> I made it four days, <clears throat> and it was just the the, the whole lemonade uh, thing and you know water. But uh, yeah, I made it four days, and that was it. It's so, tough. Yeah, and you were on day what? This is the last day. Really? This is the last day. So tomorrow, yeah. Okay. Well, you're yeah. going to have to ease back into regular Ease back into food. it, right, yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. Um, you are an inspiration. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you do another 34s. Uh, no, no, thank you. Next year, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Next now, year, maybe. Now, before we before we close out, because I see the clock is is chasing us. Mm -hmm. um, are you planning to run another marathon? Are you going to be doing Chicago again? After I ran my last marathon, I promised I would not run another marathon. Um, Who did so, you make that promise to? I made that promise to myself and I announced it to a few people. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. I may have been thinking about it lately. I'm definitely running, uh, coming up and running the Shamrock Shuffle. Um, so I'm committing to that right now. The marathon, to just commit to that mentally is it's pretty tough. So, but right now I'm not planning to run another one, but definitely shorter distances like 8Ks, 10 miles, and maybe a half marathon. Okay. Maybe a 25 miler. Yeah, that's under marathon distance. So I could, I could definitely take that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you for coming in and, and talking with us. Uh, Rita Thanks Sun for having family. me. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Um, Oh, and, well, I guess because we're at that time, we need to go ahead and say thank you to our engineer over at WCV. Ramon, thank you very much, sir. We thank our in-studio engineer, assistant producer, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. Uh, I'm your host and producer, Tariq al -Amin. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, keep in mind, the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision, Inc. We will see you all or talk with you all tomorrow, inshallah, with God's permission. So we're going to leave you all as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.